Welcome to the Docs Who Lift podcast, where we distill and simplify the complexities of a healthy lifestyle, exercise, medicine, and weight loss. We're excited to bring you a podcast that's a prescription for clinical practice, scientific recommendations, and just real life. This this is the Docs Who Lift podcast. Hey, and welcome back to the Docs Who Lift podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Spencer Nadolski, co-host here, Dr. Carl Nadolski Jr., super endocrinologist. And today we have, and I say this every time, but a very special guest, food science babe, she sometimes tells people her first name, which is Erin, but I like to refer to her as food, food science, babe. And she has an amazing, amazing Instagram. In fact, I, I, yeah. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I think I can say this. I think she's probably the best at debunking just all the nonsense stuff around like food science, hence the, the moniker food science, babe. But Anything from, I was just looking at her shelf life, uh, which is, I, I don't even know much about shelf life of, of food. Shelf life? Like of, oh. of like foods, like Best Buy oh. and all that. I think we'll have to get into some of that stuff. But um, Yeah, that's beyond me. But I, I'm actually, so I, I'm interested in to know why you started um, your page. Because we have, we talk about why we did, because we're so sick of the nonsense out there. But like, uh, if you could just kind of give a quick little overview of why you started your page. And, and again, you're widely popular. I, I think you're the best out there in terms of debunking this stuff. I don't see anybody doing it like you do. Well, thank you. Yeah. I Same with me. I was sick of the nonsense. Um, yeah. So I started my page, I think it was like five years ago now. Um, same kind of thing. I mean, I've so I've worked in the food industry now for uh, a little over 10 years now. And um, I've worked in a lot of different sectors of the food industry. I've worked at large companies, small companies, you know, organic, natural companies, conventional companies. And I just saw so much misinformation, um, you know, and mostly from people who have never worked in the food industry. And so it just got to the point where, and a lot of the stuff too were things I used to believe before I worked in the food industry, you know, just regarding organic food, GMOs, all that kind of stuff. And so, um, you know, when I was looking online for information, I found a lot of the misinformation. And so I was like, there's not really, you know, there were a lot of great dietitians um, debunking nutrition myths and stuff like that, but I didn't really see anybody specifically doing food science type of stuff. So um, it just got to a point where I was so sick of it. I was like, okay, I'm just going to start a page. And I had no idea if it would even go anywhere or I didn't really have any like, you know, like, idea of even what I was going to post about, but I was just so sick of it. I was like, I'm going to start a page and yeah, it kind of blew up. So. so cool. What's your background in? Like, what's your, did you get a degree in this or how does it so work? So I have a, I have a BS in chemical engineering. So, um, so I, yeah, I didn't go for food science, but I, I got into the food industry after graduating from college. Um, so I was more like on the engineering side of things, um, working at a corn milling plant for a while decided I wanted to get more into R&D. And so then I started working more in R&D. So like product development. So that's what I do now. I do, I don't work for a specific company. I do consulting for mostly stuff like small startup food companies here in the Minneapolis area. So um, it's really fun. I mean, I get to develop new food products and work with small companies. So it's really fun. Have you, have you figured out how to like, like, can you make your Instagram uh and I assume you're on TikTok. You're probably killing it on TikTok. Can you monetize that? Like make that a business or is that where you get consulting gigs from? 
Um, so it, I have started, I've done a few partnerships. I'm very picky with like companies that I partner with. So I've partnered with, um, a company to debunk some myths, um, regarding MSG. I've, uh, debunked some myths regarding soy. And so I have been able to monetize it a little bit, but it's still, um, my consulting work is where most of my income comes from. I never really started my page to earn money, but at the same time, it is a lot of work. It does take a lot of time. So I've gotten to the point where I'm like, okay, I need to make some money from this because it's, it, it takes a lot of time. So it's, it can burn you out. What yeah. I, I think you should make like a course on, I, I'd probably buy it a little digital <laughs> course, just talking about food science. I've thought about it. I just don't have time to do that, but yeah, eventually I'd like to do something like I that. That's awesome. What, what about it? Was this in response, you know, food, there's food babe. She's like the original, uh, misinformation spreader about food and like additives and all sorts of stuff. Was this kind of like a spin off that like, all right, I'm just going to give the good information, you know? That's what I figured. That's where my name came from. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, I and I think if I'm not mistaken, you know, you said you had a, a, a BS in uh, biochemical engineering. Is that what chemical I Chemical engineering. Yeah. Chemical engineering. She has a BS in BS. <laughs> yeah. a, she's, very good, it. she's very yeah, good at it. She's very good at it. Yeah, that was the main person that I was annoyed with. And so that's why I chose food science babe for my name. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. We, uh, we're going to actually have the farm babe on, uh, I don't know if it's next week or a couple of weeks, but um, basically, you know, going over farming practices because that's, there's more misinformation around that as well. So yeah, yeah, she's cool. excellent. Yeah. All right. So here's, here's my question. What are the, like, cause I get the same questions over and over again. We, we, my brother and I were obesity yeah, specialists do. and, you know, he does endocrine. So we get a lot of those same questions. What about like, what are the top, I'd say five questions that you get? And maybe we'll pick a few out. I kind of want to hear and then maybe learn some stuff from you. Yeah. I mean, I think the most, the topic that gets like, I don't know, maybe there's the most misinformation around would be like organic, um, GMO, like natural, like all those kind of things that you see like labels on the front of the package and people think they're buying something better for them or better for the environment. But I talk a lot about how those labels don't necessarily translate into those things. So I would say those topics are the most, it's kind of weird that they're controversial because they really shouldn't be. But yeah, you get a lot of people that get angry when their beliefs get challenged, which I understand because I used to have a lot of false beliefs regarding that kind of stuff. And when you have those beliefs for so long and they get challenged and it's like, oh, I've been spending all this money on these things that I thought were better for me. And now you're learning that they're not. Um, it can be yeah, people get defensive. So I would say just those labels on the front of the package are the things that people have the most questions about. Like, do I need to pay more for this? Or, you know, am I am I really doing something better for the environment if I'm buying this label? So yeah, yeah it, and it, you know, it, it it this like what you just said, it even transcends other sort of hot button type things like politics, right? What you're talking about literally gets into policy. And so then it becomes political debates. And then you get into the, you know, the, some of this tribalism that we have to deal with. And, and, um, and I think, and maybe you can touch on this at some point, it, is there something about uh, Mexico's government banning GMOs or something recently? Does anybody know? Yeah, what yeah, I'm somebody, I thought I heard that on the news. And then 
like NPR. Yeah, they actually, so I wrote an article like a year ago that they were going to ban uh, glyphosate, which is a herbicide that is used for, um, you know, you hear it a lot of times like being used on Roundup Ready crops and things like that. So um, yeah, I actually wrote an article about that. I think it was like a year ago when they were planning on phasing that out and banning it. And the thing, the thing with that, that annoys me is, um, like what's never talked about when you ban something is like, what is going to replace it. And so, um, obviously glyphosate and Roundup have, has gotten a ton of horrible press and, um, it's really not as bad as, you know, the media makes it seem and just people don't really understand just agriculture in general. So it's like, when you ban an herbicide, you know, what, like the discussion never, people are never talking about like what is replacing it. And what happens is when you ban an herbicide like glyphosate, which is actually one of the safest, like least toxic herbicides available to farmers, what's going to replace it is going to be these older formulations that are, um, you know, more toxic to humans and to the environment. And, you know, a lot of times that doesn't get discussed. And the farmers that are using it responsibly and effectively, like now they can't use it anymore and it's difficult for them. So, so much of this stuff is political and it's driven by misinformation and consumers that think they're doing something good by like advocating for banning something when they don't have the full picture or understand, you know, like what is replacing it if this gets banned. So that they're fighting for things to get banned and, and they don't really know that other side of it. And so that's really frustrating to see because when you do understand like this thing's going to get banned and what's going to replace it isn't necessarily going to be any better and the farmers are going to be you know scrambling to figure out what to do and it's just frustrating because the people that are advocating to ban it they you know they think they're doing something good so i you know i can't always like fault them for that but at the same time like um that's that's a huge reason why i started my page too to just get that other side out there and like for people to understand the full picture of everything versus just like headlines on articles or what they're seeing on the news. So yeah. Oh, that's great. That would be frustrating. Yeah. Cause we, we get frustrated. I mean, we were frustrated when, you know, the whole hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin thing for COVID yeah. just extreme. Yeah. We're not even infectious disease. Yeah, but it's, it's super frustrating. Cause you're like, no, 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 that like, it's, yeah. it's, it has no effect. Like, and people don't get it. Like, nope, nope. Um, <laughs> So it, it makes us mad, especially, you know, anything that has to do with hormones and weight loss that makes us, yeah. so I can imagine, I can imagine you being yeah. in this going like, no, you guys, you don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So what, what would be the label that drives you the most crazy? Like you personally, I guess on a food. The, like, I would say the there? non-GMO label. I can't stand the non-GMO label. Um, yeah. It's. 100% marketing. Um, people think it, yeah. it, it, not only is it like marketing, but it also creates a lot of confusion and misunderstanding regarding just GMOs in general, because anytime you have a label that says like non, or like, like it doesn't contain something, people just assume like that thing must be bad. Otherwise, why would there be this label saying non-GMO? Yeah. And you know, for a period of time, I thought the same thing. Like I was like, oh, GMOs must be bad because why would there be a specific label saying non-GMO? And um, that's like a that GMOs are a topic I've covered extensively, but it's just a lot of that comes from just a misunderstanding of 
biotechnology, GMOs. And it's difficult because it's not like a super simple topic to communicate, like especially in less than one minute videos. And um, so it's just there's a huge gap between what GMO, you know, like what it means and like what people think it means. Or a lot of times people just don't even really know. They don't even really look into it. They're just like, oh, I'm just going to buy this label because I think it's better for me. But um, I mean, G the, the thing that's really annoying about GMO or what has been considered GMO. Um, so the the definition in and of itself is kind of arbitrary because most of the crops that we have today have been modified in some way. And what is designated as GMO is these more modern techniques that are a lot more efficient. Um, they, you know, they affect a lot fewer genes than, you know, crossbreeding or some of these older methods. And so really it doesn't make sense like to call the, call specific ways of modifying crops GMO. And then to say like, oh, those ways of doing it are bad and we should be afraid of these. And um, it's just crazy to me too, because those more modern ways of modifying crops are so much more regulated. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it takes, I think it's like an average of like 13 years and like a hundred million dollars to bring a GMO to market because there are so many restrictions and regulations around it. Um, but then those are the ones that people are like the most afraid of, but they're the most regulated. So it just really doesn't make sense. Um, regardless of what technique is being used to modify a crop, like the end product is really what matters. And so just the whole label in and of itself is is so arbitrary and it just doesn't really make sense. So yeah, just for the listeners, could you just give like just a brief overview of of the concept of GMO? Like what is what does it stand for? What is it? Uh, yeah, like, so it's yeah, what what is your one minute <laughs> thing that you can't actually <laughs> we'll give you, two minutes. you can't actually do in one two minutes. Yeah, two <laughs> minutes, then no more. So yeah, I mean, so there's a big umbrella of genetic modification. So that would include more traditional methods like crossbreeding. There's something called mutagenesis that I've talked about that um, there's ways uh, to modify genes using um, chemicals and radiation. All those like older techniques are not considered GMO, but they are genetically modifying crops. So it's these newer genetic engineering type ways that, like I said, they're, they're much more efficient. You're only changing, you know, one to three genes at a time. It's more um, controlled. And so you know what the end result is going to be more than these, you know, older methods. And um, so it's just a different, it's just really designating like a different way to get to an end result of a modified crop. But there are many other ways of doing it that are not considered to be GMO. And like I said, what matters is the end product and that the end product is safe. And these, the ones that are considered GMOs are regulated and tested to a much greater extent than these other ways. So yeah, like the whole thing just doesn't really make sense to be only afraid of what are considered GMOs. And um, the non-GMO project has made a business around this non-GMO label and they make money essentially from scaring people about GMOs and yeah. getting people to buy this non-GMO label. Fear mongering. It reminds yeah. me my my neither of my parents are Neanderthals, but somehow my brother was is a Neanderthal. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, the, the, yeah. first of all, <laughs> hey, 
I, I, and I prefer GMOs. <laughs> let that let that be known. Yeah, and we're going to start a whole page on. We're going to start a whole marketing campaign about pro GMO. All I what is it too much to ask just to have all my food genetically modified <laughs> to be optimal? Well, it reminds me of like I, I think I've gotten some water bottles of water or something, and it says like uh, gluten free or something yeah. like that. And I'm like, of course, what? and it's GMO. It's not GMO. Yeah, like, and it's, uh, well, that's actually it's caffeine good, free. that's a good point. So that's the other thing with the non GMO label is that. It can be put on foods that don't even have a GMO counterpart. So orange juice, for example, there are no GMO oranges. Um, Not that it would be a bad thing if there were, but it's just kind of ridiculous that there's a non-GMO label on orange juice when, you know, so the consumer thinks like, oh, this one sitting next to it doesn't have that label. So this one must be GMO. And it's like, no, neither of them are. This one just paid for this label to put it on there. I want to call for a ban on GMO labeling. Yeah, I can't stand that. I I actively try to avoid it if I can, which is getting very difficult because a lot of companies are putting it on there. But I I try to avoid it if I can. It it really does reinforce the fear mongering. Yeah. Here's a naive question. Why aren't oranges GMO? Why can't oranges be GMO? (laughs) Well, they can be. They just haven't developed. There hasn't been a need for a GMO orange yet. Like, they are definitely hybrids and... um, you know, they have been genetically modified, but they haven't been genetically modified in a way where it's like genetic engineering, biotechnology, GMO. Um, there could be in the future. There just hasn't been a need for it yet. Huh. My God, I, I hope to God soon that we have some GMO oranges. I will eat the hell out of those. <laughs> <laughs> there might be. I mean, there's a lot of like disease resistance that that. So that's another thing with GMOs. A lot of people just think like, Oh, everything that's GMO is Roundup ready. That's just one trait that um, has been selected for in specific GMO. So there's non-browning traits that help to reduce food waste. There are um, drought resistant. So a lot of these things too, as the climate changes, like drought resistance, being able to grow foods in places where there might be more drought, like all these kinds of things are going to be able to help uh, in the future and to provide food for the population and to be against GMOs is also, I mean, it is a privileged standpoint too, because it's like there are countries that and places that rely on biotechnology to provide food and to be against that just doesn't really make any sense. And a lot of people would be without food if it weren't for biotechnology. The whole pie industry was um, saved by biotechnology and, uh, creating a papaya that was resistant to a specific, um, I, I think it, I can't remember what it was, but a specific uh, bacteria or something that was. Wow. Yeah. So to so. be against GMOs is to be against science and technology. I mean, it does sound <laughs> scary. These people are like, you know, I, I get it. I can, I can understand how they could fear monger. Yeah. And so it just, you know, people listening to this, if you're listening to this, you listen to us and you, you, you probably enjoy science, but uh, what what about that rice? The rice that is like golden and it's got better, more nutrient. I don't even know much about it, but you. Probably- yeah, there's golden rice. Um, I think it's increased. I want to say vitamin A. Yeah, I think probably. It is. Um, is this good or bad? Yeah, I don't know what we're it, talking about. It's a it's, it's good difficult good for. I mean, there will be countries that will not allow it just because it's considered to be a GMO when it could be helping to. Oh my god! You know, there are places where people are deficient in specific vitamins, and it could be. Um, bred into specific like crops that they're eating all the time, but they won't approve it because 
it's GMO wow. and it's just ridiculous. Wow. So it's golden rice? Yeah. Yeah. I, is it? You know, you remember when uh, those geese used to lay golden eggs? <laughs> <laughs> Not the same. Is, no, okay. Just checking. <laughs> I, I, uh, yeah, no, that's, and that is, int- I, I, I hate the fear mongering. It does. I mean, it sounds really cool to me. Honestly, I'm just like, like my brother said, like GMO, I, I, whatever. Sounds great. I, I want to eat some golden rice. Yeah, no, <laughs> I bet it would taste pretty yeah, good. Yeah, it too. is really cool. I mean, it's a cool, I mean, it's, it's a great, you know, technology that we have. Um, like I said, that can be used for, you know, climate change and, uh, yeah, I mean, GMOs are not just Roundup Ready crops. And a lot of times people think that's the only thing that GMO Can you explain is. what that means? Because honestly, so I Roundup know. Ready, Yeah, so Roundup Ready. So there are Roundup <laughs> Ready, like corn and soybeans are the biggest crops um, that people talk about being Roundup Ready. So essentially they are um, tolerant to Roundup, which yeah. is an herbicide. So you can spray it on these crops and they won't die. And um that's helpful for farmers, obviously, because they can kill weeds without killing the crops. Yeah, that's great. Um, but people think that means that these crops are just like doused in Roundup, which right. isn't the case. It's used at a very low amount. A lot of times it's used even before crops are being grown in the soil because you're going to kill the weeds before you actually grow crops. So it's it's not that they're being uh, modified to be able to just douse them in, in Roundup. That doesn't even make any sense. It's just um and yeah i mean there are there are different gmos that actually um produce an insecticide they're called bt crops and those have allowed to reduce overall pesticide usage so i think a lot of times people think that it actually they've actually they increase pesticide usage when that's not the case overall they've been able to reduce pesticide usage because there are certain crops that actually produce this insecticide. So you're not having to spray the insecticide on it, um, which has reduced uh, pesticide usage. The future is now. Yeah. <laughs> you, you mentioned the, the soybeans, you know, so Spencer, you know, um, my wife's uh, dad uh, had inherited part of a farm and, and he actually farms soybeans. And so he was one of the first ones many years ago to tell me you know, when I didn't understand this whole GMO thing, what, why, why this was a debate, he, you know, and he's a, you know, he's a pretty scientifically minded farmer, but he, he said, that's ah, all, you know, that's a bunch of kind of crazy stuff. And he, he was the first one to sort of explain it to me from a farmer's perspective. And so I thought, yeah, that was interesting. It was because he does soybeans. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. All right. So I kind of want, can you tell the listeners about like the shelf life. I love that video that you, I mean, you just posted because I'm like, that's interesting. Cause like it's more about the food quality and not actually if it goes bad. Can you kind of give yeah, a, a that's brief one? That's yeah. I, so one of the biggest, I mean, obviously there are, are many reasons for food waste, but um, on the consumer level, a lot of it comes from the date stamps on food. And people think that those are expiration dates when in reality, those dates are, uh, quality dates. They're not safety dates. So you'll see like best buy, best before, freeze buy. Um, they're actually not federally, federally regulated, which is, uh, yeah, a lot of people that don't know that. So, uh, manufacturers just put those on there, um, for, to let retailers kind of know, like how long to have it in their store to let consumers know 
when it is best before. So that doesn't mean that it's immediately bad or unsafe after that date. It just means the quality is the best before those dates. So a lot of foods can be, um, you know, perfectly safe after those dates. So that can help to reduce food waste to understand that, like, you don't need to throw the food away the second it hits that date, because that's also not an exact science to figure out those dates. Um, a lot of factors go into whether it, you know, it might spoil before that date or spoil long after that date, you know, depending on how you store it at home, how the shipping conditions were, how the conditions were in the store. So that's never going to be like an exact science to figure out that date. And so companies do their best to try to figure out like when the quality is best before. But again, that doesn't mean that it's like immediately bad. You need to throw it away after that date. So what, what are some examples of those? Uh, like t specific types of foods where they're not, they're not going bad. And I, I don't know, this is like, this is fascinating to me because I don't really know these nuances that you're talking about. Yeah. So, so like per perishable items like dairy, eggs, uh, meat, you're not going to have, you might have a few days after that date, um, you know, depending on, so there's also sell by. So sell by means uh, the store should sell it by that date. And then use by is like the consumer should use it by that date. Again, that's quality. That's not safety. So you should always be going by like, how does it look? How does it smell? Um, you know, milk, I typically, the milk that I buy, you know, it'll maybe last a day or two after that date, but not yeah. much. But then like items that are in your pantry, like crackers, uh, you know, like shelf stable items, like those can be. I don't know, weeks after that date. So it just kind of depends on what kind of food it is too. And just using, yeah, like smelling it, looking at it. Um, but it, yeah, again, it doesn't necessarily mean like, oh, I have to go through and like, I mean, of course, if you have things in your fridge that are like, <laughs> I just cleaned out my fridge recently. I'm like, oh, this expired in like <laughs> 2017. I should probably throw that out. <laughs> yeah, it's so. a good thing, Spencer. It's a good thing we don't have uh, Rachel, my wife, and uh, her mom on this podcast because it'd be very argumentative stuff. I'm waiting for Spencer to make some sort of sarcastic comment about my. Uh, ability to eat something that's way expired. Yeah, I, I went and got some pesto <laughs> at his house. I made myself some pesto <laughs> pasta and I was eating it. And then I was like looking at the jar of pesto and it was like, like two years expired. <laughs> Shut up. And I was like, he, I just saw him, I just saw him eat it. He goes to work and I'm just staying for like the week. And then I'm like, Jesus Christ, why am I eating this? <laughs> but no, actually, the word, my, I think my our parents, mom and dad, oh, yeah. they're like, it's fine. It's sealed. I'm like, I just ate yogurt that was that, like a month ago. <laughs> and it, it didn't taste bad, but I'm like, I don't know. I, I, I don't trust it. I, so, so like, yeah, milk. What about it's like meat? Meat is always sell by, but like it's, it seems like pretty accurate. Like the next day, I'm always yeah, like, this does. smells good. Yeah, cool. I would say like those yeah. types of things, maybe like you can get a day or two after. But again, like use your, use your smell, use your, you, yeah. you know, look at it, see if it looks okay. But those, those things like in your fridge, obviously you're not going to be able to go as far past that date as you are like canned goods or um, yeah. shelf stable packaged items. And then also like, um, when you open something too, like a lot of things that are refrigerated will say like use within seven days after opening. And like, those are pretty, pretty good rule to follow. Um, to, cause yeah. once you open, obviously it's introducing. Jeez. 
So cheese always says use within seven days shredded cheese. And then like, I mean, a month will go by and it looks fine. There's no mold. It smells good. It tastes good. I'm always like, what? man, I don't know. I, yeah, yeah, my I, wife's always like, throw it out. I'm eat. like, I don't know. I'm going to, uh, I think I'm going to, nah. I like the cheese. Cheese, cheese, cheese okay. George. Yeah. Cheese, cheese I typically don't throw away until I see like visible mold yeah, on it. So. That's the way I yeah. am. And even then I just melt it. <laughs> <laughs> he must. He's like, this will kill off the <laughs> That's awesome. Let's see. I'm trying to think of other questions. I always hold on. So I, I have a question. So this is very timely. I, I just learned about this and it's because it, it just happened. And you may or may not, this may or not be up your alley, but um, what's the deal with the the cultivated meat products that are that have been studied and now manufactured and and if i'm not mistaken maybe fda cleared yeah the fda just just cleared some know, but you some cultivated meat but this is beyond me i so just to be clear i listened to this discussion on like npr radio randomly on the way to take my son to a workout or something uh, during a blizzard last night. Or, and I was like, this is amazing. They're talking about how they already have uh, cultivated chicken literally made from cells. They compared it to um, like yeast and, um, you know, like those types of products. And and now they're going to do other things and how this has a potential great impact on, you know, some of the, the climate impact that uh, animal agriculture has. And, uh, but, but yet, Nobody, sorry, Garth Davis, uh, but nobody wants to go vegan, you know, or at least. But, but the vegans are people. saying that this is ba- these are basically vegan because it doesn't kill animals. So, so these so are fair enough. So, they're saying but, but it's vegan. but it but it is real animal cells yes, being cultivated. Yes. So, if you know anything about this, I'd love to hear about it because this is fascinating to me. So I don't know a lot. I think it's very interesting, and I think it's. Uh, I mean, I think options are always great. Um, I don't, yeah, I mean, I just think it's very interesting. I'd love to try it. I'd love, I would love to learn more about it. Um, you know, I know farmers are definitely very against it because it's going to take, um, you know, like some, it could take some of their market, but I, I don't necessarily think it'll be something that will ever like take over actual meat, but I do think it is, I think it's good to have different options and for people, you know, that are vegan or I, I guess I'm not sure if this would be considered vegan. Like I, I, I don't know. <laughs> because it's not um, killing animals that they, they claim that this is vegan. But yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's really interesting. I, I would love to learn more about it. And I think, um, I, I don't know. I think that, that the technology is really cool and options yeah, are great. Oh, that's, so. It's, so we'll have to keep an eye on this. I mean, that's amazing to me of the way I listened to it. It's yeah. not, you know, they, they very much described it as, um, you know, like dough and yeast and they have these huge uh, like cylinders in these, in these factories uh, with, with essentially what are animal cells. So chicken cells or beef cells that are cultivated and they, they nourish them to, to develop into the chicken or the beef. Yeah, and they basically I mean, it's, it's, 3D print it's, they 3D print it, it and I don't know. It's, it blows my mind. I mean, it almost sounds weird to me, but they say, you know, and then they had people try it and it tastes like chicken and whatever. So and, like chicken, and it really is. It's chicken nuggets. That's, that's amazing to me. Chicken nuggets. Yeah. You can, you know, obviously, but I think it's gonna be really hard to create a 
like a nice breast? piece of steak. I don't know. But they're trying. They're trying. I, yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know like how scalable yeah. it is. Like how, I, I don't know. I don't know a lot about it. I just, I, I've definitely heard about it and it is interesting. I think I would, I would love to try it and see how well, it Well, I, I think this is your homework and then we'll, we'll, we'll get have back it. in touch in a few months and back <laughs> on. <laughs> what, okay. Here's, here's a good, here's a question. What about additives to food, like red number five and, and some of those other fear monger? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of misinformation on like preservatives, um, colors, flavors, all those kind of things. And um, the frustrating thing is like additives just sort of get lumped into like one category or even like preservatives get lumped into one category when there are many different things, there are many different compounds. Um, so, you know, you'll see videos of like, you know, just blanket statements like preservatives are bad, which it's like, what, which one, what are you talking about? There's, there's a lot of different preservatives. Like, um, it's like hormones. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just, a lot of those claims, it's like, be more specific. Like it doesn't make sense to just say like, I mean, even just colors, like there's a lot of different colors. Like if you're going to say, um, you know, food dyes cause this, it's like, well, which one, like at what dose? And so those are the things I cover quite a bit. And even when people are being specific about like a specific color, it's like, okay, like you're making a, so there's a, there's a claim like red number 40 causes ADHD. Yeah. Like that's, that's the one I see all the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, First of all, it does not, uh, it doesn't cause ADHD. That's not how ADHD works. Um, so there, there, there is some evidence that in a very small percentage of children that already have ADHD, it could potentially exacerbate their like hyperactivity huh. symptoms and like that. But it's like a very small percentage. It's a correlation. Like there isn't a, a causal link there. Like there's some very weak evidence at mm, okay. best. No RCT um, data. That gets, yeah, like that gets turned into like red 40 causes ADHD. And it's like, no, like there is, there is like a very small amount of, you know, like a very weak evidence there for, but it's particularly in children that already have been diagnosed with ADHD. And um, so things like that, they just get misconstrued into like, this thing causes this thing. And it's like, no, like there could potentially be something there, but again, like it has been this this link has been studied since like the 1950s, and we still have. I mean, it's like it's still like a very weak, like oh maybe potentially like it could. So with things like that, sure you can avoid you know food dyes. That's that's fine. I mean, it's it's relatively easy to avoid red 40 if you want to do that. But um, a lot of times it's like that piece of information makes, you know, specifically parents get worried about feeding their children foods with, with dyes. And so it's like, I need to cut them out completely from my child's diet. When, I mean, the other factor to a lot of foods with um, colors in them is they're high in sugar, they're being eaten at, you know, like birthday parties. And so it's like, can you really say like, oh, this food with this color caused my child to be hyperactive or have more energy. It's like, well, they're eating at a birthday party They're, You know what I mean? It's like, it has a lot of sugar in it. So, um, a lot of times too, it's like, you see these videos of like, well, I notice when I give my kid, you know, just anecdotes. So yeah. when I give my child this food with this blue color or this yellow color, like they get, uh, you know, they get angry yeah. or they get, <laughs> they get really hyper and it's like, okay, well, like there are so many other factors to that. You can't just say like, 
this color, you're not eating the color on its right. own either, right? You're eating food. Um, so yeah, I mean, there is a lot of misinformation regarding colors, regarding preservatives is a big one that is just doesn't make sense because preservatives are actually helping to make foods safer for yeah. longer. And um, so to just say like, oh, like people will just say like, oh, this is a preservative and like just imply that that's bad. Yeah. But it's like, just because something is a preservative doesn't mean that it's bad. It's actually helping to make the food safer. Right. I mean, salt so, can be a preservative. Yeah, that's a preservative. So yeah, right. for anybody listening, I mean, like, to me, it sounds like they would need to do some sort of placebo-blinded RCT and put these things in capsules that you don't know it's in there and then have somebody, it, it, that would that would be interesting. And so they have done something, sim- there is a study that um, basically, so like, in Europe, there's like a warning on foods, I think that are just marketed for children with with dyes in it that say something like this could cause hyperactivity or something. And that's literally based off of a study where they gave children, um, it was a, a mixture of different colors in a beverage. And there was also a preservative in there. And it's like, and like, and then they had teachers and parents observe their, um, you know, like what happened after they drank those beverages, but they were like, they were like a mixture of a bunch of different colors and a preservative. And so you can't really say like, from that, like, which ones were causing like different behaviors or, you know what I mean? So like, there, there's not really good data on that. And like everything, it's like, sure, maybe there could be a link there. But right now it's like, it has been studied for so long and like, there's not a clear link there. So wow. yeah, that's funny. Yellow. What is it? Is it yellow? Number five gives you that's some that's sort the of Mountain Dew. Pe- that's what I said. The diet Mountain Dew that I like. That's that's yellow. Number five it shrinks your penis or something like that. What? It, I, <laughs> I saw something. Oh God. Oh I just, I just quit diet. Mountain you better Dew. not drink any more of that. <laughs> Although I heard about those. Neander- and the Neanderthals are okay. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can handle a little shrinkage. <laughs> She's like, I'm never coming on this podcast again. <laughs> what, what is there? Is there something about yellow? No, there are like ridiculous claims like that, though, and it's like how they get attention, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, we can't like just we can't just communicate like this very weak evidence that this like study shows. It's like, no, we have to make it into this thing where it's like it's causing, you know, whatever. And then people are outraged about it. And it's like, I mean, that's the big thing too, that people um, will read a headline or they'll read a news article and there will be a study linked. And it's like, you'll click on the study and it's like, that's not what it says at all. Like, yeah. Yes. So, <laughs> yes. So that's the story of our lives. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Like low, I mean, it's the same thing with low carb is the best for weight loss. It's like, this was done in like five days and like, in it didn't even show anything about weight loss. It was some other mechanism. Well, and, yeah. and the other way around. I mean, you know, it'll say it about, you know, low fat, yeah, whatever. you know, all the, all the different things. And it's right. anyways. Yeah. Same yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that's pretty much, those are the big questions I have. I think anybody listening, if you want any, any of this type of information, a lot more detail, I, I would follow uh, food science, babe on Instagram and TikTok, right? TikTok. Yeah. Yep. I don't think you're on the tweeters. It's the tweeters is dying right now. Anyway, I, I wouldn't mess with it. I'm like on there, but I don't really. Fa- Facebook. I, you're on Facebook yeah. too. I think I get your Facebook. I'm on Facebook too. Yeah. All right. Yep. You want any good information about food science? Please follow Food Science, babe. Any last remarks uh, before we go to our outro? 
I would say don't pay attention to marketing labels on the front of your foods. And um, yeah, don't be afraid of, don't follow people that are making you afraid. Of yeah, food. I think that's yeah. great Basically. advice. I love it. Thank you so much All for right. being on our podcast. Well, and we'll, we'll have her back on after she eats more of the uh, cultivated yeah. lab products. The lab Once beef. I try Very that, I'll, I'll come back on. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Thank you. This podcast is for entertainment and education and information purposes only. Remember, the physicians on this podcast are not your physician. It should not be considered professional or personalized medical advice. It should not be used to replace speaking with your physician or medical professional to discuss your specific health concerns. The topics discussed should not be used solely to diagnose or treat any condition. As a result, we are not responsible for any unwanted medical outcomes. The views and opinions discussed are of those of the host only and do not represent those of any other entities. Thank you.